This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. My dear friends and brethren and sisters, first let me ask the question, what does the word belief mean? What does it convey to us? <clears throat> if we should look in a dictionary, it would tell us <clears throat> that belief speaks of a firm opinion, an acceptance of a fact or statement, a feeling that something is right and true, simply one that believes, something accepted as true a religious conviction. And if we look in a Bible dictionary, it will tell us that belief speaks of confidence and it speaks of trust. We've heard many times it's been said, it doesn't really matter what we believe as long as we are sincere. This statement, dear friends, is a dangerous one. Because it does matter. It matters much what we believe. Because we are looking this afternoon at holy things of Almighty God. And it's pleased the Almighty Creator of heaven and earth to make salvation conditional on believing certain things. Those things that are a matter of eternal life. <clears throat> the book of Hebrews, for example, in chapter 11, the chapter that speaks of faith, tells us that faith is a substance of things hoped for, and belief is faith, without which it is impossible to please our God. And so we understand then that a living faith comes only through a diligent study of the word of God. It's then a continuous study because it is a continuous process of a spiritual development. The ability to believe lies in a sound understanding of the testimony of Almighty God. For where there is ignorance of this, there can be no faith. There is no true religion without faith. Nor is there any true faith without belief of the truth of God's word. <clears throat> yes, there are multitudes of answers who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But they are ignorant of the scriptures. Yes, they believe in the Lord Jesus, but this is not the faith defined by the Apostle Paul. The mere belief that Jesus is the Son of God is not believing in him. To believe in him is to believe what God testifies about him. We'll look at the opening verses of the 17th chapter of John. 
<clears throat> it's a prayer there of the Lord Jesus to his heavenly Father. John chapter 17, and we look at verses 1 to 3. <clears throat> John 17, verse 1 tells us, These words spake Jesus, and lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life, life to as many as thou hast given him. Verse 3, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And so the verse in question is this third verse. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So from this third verse then we can conclude that there will be no salvation unless we know unless we know our Heavenly Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what then does it mean to know as verse 3 tells us? To know in the correct sense means to feel certain of a truth of something to be acquainted with to be aware of to understand it's not just academic knowledge that's needed the word know in this third verse means to know accurately the purpose of almighty God and his son the Lord Jesus Christ and so then to know truly a person is not just to know that they exist but it is to know something of their position and of their character and so in like manner to know almighty God and his son the Lord Jesus Christ is not simply to be aware of their existence but to know to believe the attributes and purposes which they have and so then to know as this third verse tells us is so vitally important it doesn't mean to know someone in a vague sort of way <clears throat> it means much more it's a matter of eternal life <coughs> all that almighty God requires of men and women is to believe what he has done what he teaches and what he promises to take care of the poor of his flock to keep themselves unspotted from the world and this is pure and undefiled religion as the epistle of James tells us so then our salvation our salvation depends upon belief, upon having faith. And so what then do we have to believe? Just go over to Hebrews 11. There's just one verse there in Hebrews 11. And it's the sixth verse. 
Returning up scripture this afternoon and we make no apology whatsoever for looking into the word of God because it's not my words, it's the words contained here in these scriptures of truth. And so Hebrews 11 and verse 6 tells us, but without faith, without belief, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so we're going to take an example from scripture. We're going to think for a little while of that great man of faith, Abraham. We can ask ourselves the question, when did we last hear an address on Abraham? Many, many years ago when I came into the truth, we would hear nearly every week or every other week addresses relating back to Abraham. So what then did Abraham believe? The life of Abraham was recorded not for his sake alone but for us also. He is referred to as the father of a multitude. He was the youngest son of a man called Terah. He was originally called Abram. The name Abraham was given him when the promise of a numerous progeny was renewed to him by the God of heaven. And so his name then was changed. It was changed from Abram to Abraham by the addition of the letter H. And this being the fifth letter and the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet is that of grace. And so Abraham then carries that position of privilege to be called the friend of God. The friend of God. What a high and holy privilege this was. The friend of the most high God of the heavens and the earth. And so this man Abraham chosen not of man <clears throat> but of God he was chosen to become a father of a new race a spiritual race of people and yet in this man Abraham himself there was very little to make him worthy of such a distinction his choice being full of grace and we read in scripture, for by grace are ye saved. It's not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. And so as we say then, this man Abraham was from that great and populous city of Ur of the Chaldees. Abraham therefore was a Gentile, although he became the first Hebrew. He was a rough, simple Bedouin-like sheep master. He uttered no prophecy. He wrote no book. He sang no song. He gave no laws. And yet in the long list of scriptural saints, it is this man Abraham who is spoken of as the father of the faithful and the friend of God. And so Abraham was born in the early of the Chaldees. 
born of parents who were heathen. <clears throat> and little has known of him or recorded of him until he reaches the age of 70 years. He received a distinct revelation from God and of God. He gave up a certainty for an uncertainty. He went out not knowing whither he went. Willingly he surrendered the seen for the unseen. He was taught the lesson of patience, of patient waiting upon his God. Patient waiting for the promises being made to him. And the promises were three in number. That's of a country, the land of Canaan, of a posterity as the stars of heaven, and of a spiritual seed through whom all the families of the earth would be blessed. And so this man Abraham believed. He believed as he waited. He fed upon the promises of God. He believed his God in the face of long delay and amid difficulties that came upon him. Hence he is called the father of all those that believe. Abraham was renowned for his active working living faith. He believed in God and it was counted to him for righteousness. He believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. And so he was born in the city of Ur the Chaldees. It was in the south of Mesopotamia. It had been a royal city, but its rulers had borne sway of the people. But had they lost that position, others now ruled over the city. Yet it was still an important place. Many of its people lived in good and comfortable houses. It was a centre of trade and commerce. But it was a city of idolatry. In other words, the people worshipped other gods, not the true God of heaven. And yet Abraham, he heard the message of the one true God and he believed he believed he accepted it walking in the precepts of his God and if we just turn back to the book of Genesis chapter 12 so we have there recorded the promises that were made unto Abraham <clears throat> Well, first of all, what does the word promise mean? What does it mean to us? It means a bond or agreement or a covenant. And in this covenant made unto this man Abraham, we see that Abraham's seed is promised eternal inheritance in the land. Just go back then to the opening verses of Genesis chapter 12. And there we read, verse 1, Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Thou will make of thee a great nation. <clears throat> I will bless thee and make thy name great, 
and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, curse him that curseth thee, and in thee all shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him, Lot went with him, and Abraham was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And if we just turn over to chapter 15. A son is promised to this man, Abraham. His seed would be multiplied. Genesis 15, and we look at verse 5. Almighty God speak, and it says, And he brought him forth, that's Abraham, and said, Look now toward heaven, Tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, Yahweh. He counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the earth, called these, to give thee this land to inherit it. And so then the promises... The promises made to Abraham form the basis of the gospel. <clears throat> they form the foundation of the truth contained here in God's word, the Bible. And in the book of Romans, <clears throat> the apostle Paul says that Abraham was promised that he should be heir of the world heir of the world and so Abraham then a patriarch, a ruler with his seed upon this beautiful earth when it shall be filled with righteousness, peace and the glory of God just go over to the book of Romans and we go first to the fourth chapter Romans chapter 4 and we read there in verse 13 for the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith or belief come down to verse 18 speaking of this man Abraham who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And it goes on, verse 19, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. And so here then is a simple testimony that Abraham, because of his belief, was counted righteous in God's sight. He was justified or considered right. And therefore he was in the way of life. The supreme importance of faith 
is stressed here by the apostle. It must be a faith like Abraham's, an unstaggering belief in the promises of Almighty God. And so if we then believe, if we believe and we act upon that belief as Abraham did, then it will also be counted to us for righteousness. And so then the promises, <clears throat> the promises made unto Abraham and to his seed are to no one else. In other words, no stranger can lay claim to them. He must be Abraham's seed or he has no right to Abraham's posterity. Abraham believed God. And this simply means to be persuaded of, to be reliant upon. And what did Abraham believe? It was the promises of God. The promises of God as we saw back in Genesis chapter 15. Look toward heaven. Tell the stars if thou be able to number them. So shall thy seed be. And Abraham believed in his maker. It was counted to him for righteousness. And the apostle Paul tells us. That Abraham has many children. Who walk in faith. And believe. Like this man Abraham did. Just go forward to the book of Galatians. <clears throat> Firstly the third chapter of the book of Galatians. We look at verse 7. Galatians 3 and at verse 7 tells us. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith. The same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying in thee shall all nations be blessed. Verse 9 So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. And these children of Abraham are accounted as the seed of Abraham regardless of their fleshly descent. Because they have been clothed upon with Christ, the seed of Abraham. Come down to verse 16. Galatians 3 and verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds of many, but as of one, and to thy seed which is Christ. And so then whatever their nationality they are accounted as the seed of Abraham. Look at the concluding verses of this third chapter. Verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 
And so then once we have believed, once we have obeyed by putting on Christ in baptism, then we are accounted as the seed of Abraham. We are then, as this last verse tells us here in Galatians 3, we are then Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We are then God's royal family of the age to come. What an honour that would be. To be part of the royal family of the great creator of the heavens and the earth. And as the royal family of God, so at our coronation we'll sing the song of the redeemed as the book of Revelation tells us, Thou hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign upon the earth. For how long? Forever. Throughout the ages of the ages. And so then the question can be asked, what then are we to believe? What are we to believe? We are to believe simply the things concerning the kingdom of God and those things that concern the Lord Jesus Christ. And scripture informs us that he that believeth, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. Just go back, if you can, to the book of Acts. We go further to the 8th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. And in this 8th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, <clears throat> we read of the terrible persecutions instigated by the Jewish leaders of the day and by Saul of Tarsus, who was determined to make havoc of the ecclesia of that day. And then as we read on, we see that Philip went down. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached unto the people. What did Philip preach? What did he preach? Acts chapter 8 and verse 5 tells us, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. And as we continue reading in this eighth chapter, we read of one called Simon. One Simon, he was a magician. He was one who betwixt the people, bewitched the people. He would no doubt manipulate the minds of the people, giving out that he himself was some great one. <clears throat> and when the people heard this man, Simon the sorcerer, he was called, yes, they were taken in by him. But his words were untrue. His words were false. But when they heard Philip, it was that which he preached that impressed them. Belief comes before baptism. Just come down to verse 12 of this 8th chapter. But when they believed Philip, 
preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. And again here in the Acts, we just turn over to the 28th chapter, <clears throat> Acts chapter 28. We're in the company of the great Apostle Paul. And here the Apostle Paul is imprisoned in Rome. And here he bears witness of those things of which he believed. Those things of which he believed. And Paul stands before the rulers. He stands before Caesar. What does the Apostle Paul say? Acts chapter 28. And we look at verse 20. Paul says, For this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. And we stop and we ask, what is the hope of Israel? The hope of Israel is the promises made unto the fathers. The hope of Israel is the one hope of the gospel to the Jew first and afterwards to the Greek. And the Apostle Paul goes on and he explains what the hope of Israel was and what it is. Come down to verse 23. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God persuading them concerning Jesus both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening and so the hope of Israel then is simply the things concerning the name the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ and we come down to verse 30 of this 28th chapter and there we read, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house, and received all that came in unto him. Verse 31, Preaching the kingdom of God, and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ, with all confidence, no man forbidding him. The apostle preached, the kingdom of God. Those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can think of those well-known words. That message of hope <clears throat> that is declared plainly in that often quoted yet misunderstood passage as we have in John 3 verse 16. And we quote, For God so loved the world or the age that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so then just to say that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will not gain us a place in the kingdom and everlasting life. If we are to believe 
in the Lord Jesus, is it not reasonable that we should believe who he is? Why he came? Why he will yet come again? And other very important facts testified of the Lord Jesus found in the scriptures of truth. A genuine believer in the Lord Jesus Christ will wholeheartedly believe in certain scriptural facts. For example, one will believe that there is but one God. That Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus was of our nature. He was born to be a king. The promises made to that man Abraham is who, who we've looked at. The message of the Lord Jesus. Jesus is yet to come again. And belief and baptism is essential for salvation. And so then these are some of the essential things to be believed concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and his heavenly father. And any person, any person who earnestly has the desire to attain unto salvation will leave nothing undone until they find the truth of God's word. And having found the truth, obey the requirements of the gospel, belief and baptism into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then they will find that the truth has made them free. What do we mean? Free from religious confusion. Free from religious confusion. Free from doubt and despair. And so one then will discover that in its natural state the human race is perishing and the only way to escape is to embrace the message of hope the message of hope that is extended to men and women through the gospel and it is those things that concern the kingdom of God and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But let us not go away with the impression that a belief of the gospel is all that is necessary for salvation. Something more is needful. The gospel believed and obeyed by baptism, this introduces the man or the woman to a position in which he can do what was before impossible. And that is to work out his own salvation. To work out his own salvation. And to do this one must make. One must make the commands of Christ the rule of his life. It's so important that we believe in almighty God the great creator of heaven and earth and in his son the Lord Jesus Christ it's a matter of eternal life and so belief in the Lord Jesus is vital we take back finally to the words of the apostle Paul in the book of Romans again just turn over to chapter 10 Romans 10 and we look at verse 4. 
Romans chapter 10 and we look at verse 4 and there we read for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth come down to verse 9 but if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation for the scripture saith whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed and so eternal life then is a promise from almighty God the great creator himself because what God promises he will perform he will bring about God who cannot lie has promised salvation he's promised eternal life to sinful man and so salvation then is to be bestowed upon in the future is to be bestowed upon in the future immortality is not now possessed it's a matter of promise it's a matter of hope and so then as the apostle Paul says he says that it is not, he is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles and this dear friends can include you and it can include me if we believe we hope you enjoyed that talk for more downloads information about what we believe and details of our meeting times go to our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk.com